broadcasting from the Annie Up Studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A team. It's Friday, June 23rd. The World Series of Poker is going strong. They've had big fields and great storylines, despite some controversy. And the nominees for the Poker Hall of Fame are out as well. This year's list includes Josh Arie, Jeremy Osmus, Ted Forrest, Kathy Liebert, Mike Matisau, Lon McKeeran and Norman Chad, Brian Rast, Matt Savage, Isai Scheinberg, and Bill Smith. There are certainly a lot of names that jump off the page there. But if you remember from my conversation with Tom McAvoy, he gave all of his votes to Kathy Liebert last year, and he said he was going to do the same thing this year if she was nominated. Well, she is. And I think she certainly deserves to be in there based on her poker resume over the years. If you haven't checked out that interview with Tom, go to AnnieUpMagazine.com, click on Magazine, and click on the June issue. The cover story is filled with audio clips from Tom's interview. Check that out, and the July issue will be coming out right before the 4th, so be on the lookout for that as soon as well. And thank you to all the A-team that have shown their love for the innovative new format of the magazine. It has certainly been a lot of work, but it's been worth it. The ability to read articles, but also listen to the audio clips from Tom or podcast highlights and watch video clips, it's a lot more interactive than anything in the industry right now. That brings me to our YouTube page. I've been adding some of the clips from our podcast onto the YouTube page, so check those out. I know that the hand of the week is definitely easier to follow on there with the graphics on the screen, so check that out. Subscribe to the page as well so that you know when I put new material up there. Last but not least, congratulations to John Dapkus. I got a text from him earlier. We interviewed him in the How You Running segment about his win in the $3,000 Windy City Championship last month. He was able to parlay that into a 87th place in event number 50 at the World Series of Poker. That's the 10K PLO Championship. He got a hefty prize of over $17,500. So congratulations. Let it also be known to everyone out there, a spot on the Antioch Poker Podcast equals some poker run good. LV, I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, that's all I really have. So let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. All right, I am back around the poker table with a special guest once again, Elle. How's hey, yes. it going? Awesome. How are you? Really great to be uh, back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we've got to talk before we get too far here. We have to mention we have a new sponsor for Table Talk. Tell us all about it, Joe. <laughs> so Rockford Charitable Games is our new sponsor for Table Talk. 
And I'm super excited because they are, as we like to say, doing poker for good, right? Yeah. They've been they've been doing this for a long time. They help 501c charities. They even have 300 tournaments a year. They do them basically every day. It's an organization where folks can go to play poker, do good. At the same time, a percentage of the proceeds goes to that 501c. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And obviously you get to put some of that money in your pocket as well. They even have $10 blackjack. Your favorite. Ooh, I know. We missed we missed meeting them in person when we were in Chicago recently, and I really um, was was bummed about that. But from what I what I've heard and and read and seen, they're doing incredible things for local organizations. And I mean, how awesome is is it for you to be able to go one day or one night or once a month or a couple times a month? And and what do we? It's our freeze. Bet on better. Bet on better. Thank you. So why not bet on better this month with Rockford Charitables in the Chicago area? And I think they have a couple of cool things coming up, right? So, yeah. First things first, they have on June 28th, they have a WSOP satellite oh, where cool. they are giving away one $10,000 seat for every 20 players that enter. Okay, get out. If you're in the Chicago area, call 40 to 60 of people that you know and just say, let's go play poker, and your odds are fantastic for winning a seat. <laughs> How much is it to, to buy? 560. It? That's not bad. I mean, reach out to your network of people that you normally pit, play with in the Chicago area and get in there. 560 bucks to get a $10,000 seat, no brainer to me. Yeah, it's, it's June 28th. It's at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Schaumburg. Oh, cool. Then another big tournament that I want to mention, mm. exclusive Anyup tournament. Whoa, exclusive is a exclusive. big word. And what do you mean by exclusive? So you can only get into this tournament with the password that we're going to come up with. <laughs> Shut right up. This is, like, this is like uh, Prohibition Days where like – yeah. <laughs> password? Really? Yeah. When you when you go get your your chips, you're gonna have to tell them the Annie Up free roll password. The Annie Up free roll password. So like, it can't be free ride. It can't be like giddy up. It can't be Annie Up because I mean <laughs> no, that's like I mean come on, too easy. Right. Pocket aces. I feel like you told anybody me before, can guess that. Yeah, I mean, so what's the password, Joe? I don't know. Some of the what are what are some of the topics that we talk about here? I mean, off I the top of my head, the most interesting thing, I, somewhat controversial, somewhat ridiculous, is uh, the worm because you would <laughs> never stack your chips this way, and I would stack my chips this way all day long because visually, I can look down and know. What do I have? Because it's in this nice little neat stack. It's curved. It's set up in colors and I don't have to reach over it. I don't have to worry about knocking it over. I don't have to worry about accidentally miscounting. I can know that if I see X number of colors, what I have. So you're saying the password should be the worm, the worm. And if they do the dance, the worm extra points. 
Just saying, if they can actually break <laughs> the worm when they get there, maybe they get five dollars extra chips. I don't know, but I think the worm is fun. So no, think we'll, about it. we'll make sure we'll make sure that there is an Annie Up sweatshirt for anybody that does the worm when they give the password. One hundred percent, Rockford Charitables. Whoever's on call that night taking it, let us know who that person is. Take their name and address down. We will send you an Annie one Up. of these. Yeah. By the way, we have to kind of mention we are wearing the Annie Up hoodies today because it's miserable weather outside. Oh, the, rain it is storm raining. like you would not even believe on the East Coast. It is disgusting. There has been <laughs> no swimming, no boating, no tanning in the month of June on the East Coast whatsoever. It is not summer as far as I'm concerned. It is still it is the <laughs> longest spring ever. Longest spring ever. But back on That's topic, 100 percent. I think the password should be the worm. Okay, done deal. Done deal. The password is the worm. So July 20th, more details to come, but July 20th, any up free roll. You have to have this password, which you're only going to be able to get through us. The podcast, the YouTube page, the social media pages, the magazine, all of those. You're going to have to be involved in some way there and you will get this password and you can get into the free roll. Just saying Chicago Joe and Bob Popper, I expect you to be there. Ambassadors of Annie Up represent Annie Up Nation. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we've got to get into some World Series of Poker Talk because this is a whole season in our household and I am so <laughs> grateful for Mike how many weeks ago, a week or two ago, suggesting that you wear your earbuds or your headphones when you're listening to the daily <laughs> Daniel Negrano. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it because I can only take but so much. Love you, Daniel Negrano, but your voice over time is not my jam. Not your jam. Okay. Not my jam. But you did enjoy. Oh my God, $25,000. Fantasy poker. Hello. Entertaining. Love seeing a group of guys together, having a good time, joking around, messing with each other. I mean, cracking jokes. Lots of fun. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I really enjoy that. Yes. So and back on track. WSOP is happening. Vegas. Wish we could be there. Would love to absolutely. see all the action. Cannot cannot believe the lines. I mean, cannot believe how long some of these people are waiting in line. But I also know that, you know, there's this title out there that's possible, which is um, this year's player of the year. And I think we've got the top five right now. Is that right? Yeah, we do, actually. So Ian Matakis is the top of the leaderboard. He's got one bracelet this year already. All right. Um, Way to go, he won it. He won it early in event number two, um, Bankroll Builder. But which, what makes him number one? So the World Series of Poker Player of the Year is based on a certain number of points that you're going to get for cashing in an event. And obviously, the higher up in the event you go, the more points you get. Okay. The more entries into that event also 
equals more points. So, so of course, if, it's statistically based. If it's poker, if it's within poker, it's statistically based. Like you can't just be liked among the tables. It is legitimately what? How many people have you played against equals your ranking? Correct. Because I mean, I I admit it's difficult to play against twenty three thousand people versus two hundred thirty people. Like the statistics are completely different, right? Is that what you're? Is that what you're trying to say? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rodriguez Perez Santos well from done, Portugal. Sir. Love it. Excellent he, presentation. He's got one bracelet this summer as well in okay. event number 20, the $1,500 Badoogie. Badoogie. Well done, Michael. He also placed third in the 10K Limit Deuce to Seven Triple Draw Championship. Number three, you know the name because of Schenectady. Sean Deeb. Ooh, nine bullet fired nine bullets at the tournaments connected in New York, right? Yep, he did. Yeah, yeah, he but sure he, did. But he's number three. He's number three in the Player of the Year. He won his sixth bracelet overall in event number twenty-seven, the fifteen hundred dollar eight-game mix. All right, so, fantastic. Yeah, way to go, Sean. And then your personal favorite, I'm sure, Chris Brewer brings oh. up number four. Pulling on my heartstrings, Chris Brewer, anytime a man gets a little bit emotional after what a race and a run to get to the winner's circle, just impressive the way he received uh, winning first place in that event. I, yeah. I, I honestly, I've watched it five or six times. So Chris Brewer, <laughs> if you're listening, proud of you. Way to go. Amazing to see an excellent display of just genuine emotion of what it means to win an event at WSOP. We're excited for you. I hope you take the whole damn thing. There you go. <laughs> and then rounding out the top five is Chad Evesalage, yeah. who uh, I believe last week he was second in the Player of the Year. So he's he's fallen to five, but he's won two bracelets already this summer. I mean, so, not bad. You're still yeah, you're still in the top five. Then I was actually just watching. I was enjoying watching the $1,500 monster stack, which is going on right now okay. as we speak. Joe Cata was in that one, and I love to watch him, you know, making his way through a big field like that again. I think he was the short stack last I looked, but I'm hoping that he can pull that out. And I do want to mention one other thing because. Poker cows. Oh, oh my gosh. Brand new website just launched today. I know that this is the WSOP is happening. So many exciting things. Super excited to hear those top five players, but hello, poker cows. It is the zoom for your home game. What's <laughs> happening right now in the summer? Everybody's on vacation. You don't cancel. Do not cancel your home game because people are on vacation. Download, hit the links, get out on the internet, check out Poker Cows, become a host. Cheap. Oh my gosh, it's $99 for the whole entire year. Doesn't matter how many times you guys want to play. So I'm just fascinated by this whole story. Really excited for this family that created it. Um, you know, we all had our struggles and and interesting things that happened to us during the time of, of COVID or COVID lockdown. And what has come out of it is is for one family is poker cows because 
a, a gentleman who had a son who just graduated from college, had a computer science degree, said, buddy, why don't you put this to use? And he, he challenged his son to come up with a way for he and his friends to continue their poker game virtually. And now you can join in on that fun as well. Very easy, very simple. There's no real money exchange. So if that's something you're hoping for, work it out on the side, you know, but you're able to still play and see each other just like we are if you're watching and joining us via YouTube today versus, you know, just listening via podcast. Incredible way to enjoy your home game on the road. Like, I think this is game changer. Absolute game changer. Yeah. And the thing that I like is that they have more than just hold them. So you can play stud. Um, they have actually some of the wild and crazy variations of poker too, like chase a queen and, and things like that. But, but I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, this one is out there with, with stud and obviously Hold'em's there, but. Uh, I know you have an interview coming up with them. I'm just going to throw it out there. would love to join you. If you'd like to invite me, I'll be happy to join you. But poker cows. I don't know if that, what, what does that stand for? Cash cows come out. We'll see. I, what, what would cows stand for? I mean, I know they have a cow on their website, but. I'm really curious to hear more from the owners and from the founders of how did you come up with, why is it poker cows? Where does that come from? Tune in next week. (laughs) Yeah. Is that when you have an interview with them? Next week. Yeah. So I, yeah, absolutely. I think it would be great if you want to come on and ask that question. So there you go. I'm in place. I'll be there. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So that is, Everything. Oh, I did want to mention, you know, hey, if you guys are traveling soon, we do have an Expedia code for you guys to use if you want to put that in. It's some kind of crazy numbers and letters and stuff. So we'll put that out on our socials. It's 20% off of anything you book on Expedia.com. I know you're booking summer vacations. I know you guys are booking fall vacations. Really and truly, we would love to give you and gift you. 20% 20% off. So check out the magazine. If you go to AnnieUpMagazine.com, go to the hamburger menu, click on the magazine. I think it's in Tom McAvoy's uh, article. Uh, I mean, you should read the article anyway. Um, incredible stuff there as well. Thank you, Tom. We really appreciate you joining us in the magazine this this past month. But really and truly, use it. We've got it for another couple of days till the end of June and July. It will transfer to another code. So check out the magazine next month. Um, Expedia has been extremely generous and kind uh, to gift that to us, which we want to pass those savings on to you. So personally, if I book a plane ticket, I'm going to want 20% off. If I book a hotel or a car rental, those are astronomical. All you have to do is enter a code. Yeah. And Expedia is super easy to use. Uh, I know there are some of them. Yeah, I know there are some of them where you have to go here, then go there, and, you know, it's – no, it's super easy. So definitely check out that. And – what? I also think think you're forgetting something super exciting. In six to seven days, we're able to talk about another code that we can release, and it has to do with – it's not what you're thinking. It's what any <laughs> poker player could use. Amazing, amazing opportunity. 
uh, for you guys to buy something that you can use regularly. Often it has come from, from friends of ours that use it regularly. They love it. It is not something that we're just putting out there to earn points or anything like that. It is a well, well-recommended product. We cannot wait to tell you about it next week. So um, definitely check out Expedia code. Look forward to sharing more about that code with you next time. <laughs> That's really, it. Really happy I could join you here on Table Talk this week. Thanks, Joe. So Thank you so much for joining me, actually. Of course. Anytime. All right. And we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Can't wait. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games, and he's with me again this week. Elliot, how are you doing? I'm doing very well this week. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Listen, uh, we got a pretty big response from the uh, from last week's Call the Floor. We had a we had quite a few emails come in, and uh, one question that came up in particular that I wanted to address with you real quick. They were, the question was if the big blind is short. Uh, well, kind of let's let's recap first. Right. <laughs> so last week we were talking about the small blind in a big blind ante game, and the ruling was. Th- in the casino, the ruling was that they did not allow them to get the antes, which we determined was incorrect. But the question that came up was, if the big blind is short and can only post the ante and not the big blind, what can they win? Well, uh, the recommended procedure is ante first. So right. the ante is posted and then blinds are posted. Remember, previously, antes were collected individually from each player before every hand. By introducing Big Blind Annie, we found a way to speed the game up and only have to nag one player instead of eight, nine, or ten. Right. So it's a collective Annie, and it represents everybody anting every hand. It's not a one-time penalty. It, it's an obligation to everybody at the table. So even though one person posted Big Blind Annie, Everybody is considered to have contributed to that ante to start the hand. That in, and poker, going back to the Wild West, was traditionally played with a form of an ante before the pot started. Well, that has continued with big blind ante, ante first. So, if the blinds are 1 in 2,000 theoretically, and a 2,000 big blind ante is owed, if the person in the big blind only has 2,000, that 2,000 gets posted as the ante for the table, and he is now all in with no blind posted. If he wins that pot, he gets his ante back and then has to post a small blind, obviously. Right. In a seven-card stud tournament, it's still individual ante. In single-draw tournaments, they use big blind ante, but it used to be single. It used to be uh, individual ante. Those antes are collected from every player, and theoretically, you could be all in at that point. It, it's not uncommon in the late stages of a seven-card stud tournament for 
somebody to be down to their last chip uh, to play for the ante. If they win the pot, they win the annies. They're all in for the annies. The side pot starts at the bring-in, and the first bet's into the pot. So that same principle applies in no limit hold'em tournaments with big blind ante. The big blind in most places, and of course here at the Rivers Casino and Resorts Connectivity, uh, it's ante first. So your your obligation to the table and the other players is more important than your ability to post the blind. And Going back to what I said before, uh, yes, this is, is tough on short stacks, but there's a way to not be short stacked, and that is to play faster and not be short stacked. So, again, your obligation to the other players pay their any without question. Now, all of a sudden, you have fewer chips, so you're saying, you know what, I'm not going to pay your annies. I'm going to pay my blind first. The hell with you. That's not how this works. Your obligation <laughs> to the other players is as important as anything else. There's the answer. There you go. All right. Well, I'm glad that we were able to revisit that. Like I said, there was actually quite a bit of response that came in from that. And that was one of the questions that came up through that. But this week we have a whole new call the floor. And this one is sent in by Ken Piper. And Ken says, I was playing live one, two at my local casino when a weird situation occurred and I'm curious if I was wrong to be mad, which nev- never starts off good when you're when you're asking if you're wrong to be mad. But the player in the hand with me has been on a heater and claimed it was his first time ever playing poker. He had ran a stack up to around 800, but in this hand, his stack had dwindled to about 400. The action isn't terribly important, but on the river... I had queen jack on a board of queen jack four six ace. I bet 75, which was about two thirds pot. The player is looking like he wants to call, but only has his money in black chips. He's holding out a chip like he wants to call and asks the dealer if he can get change. The dealer said if he wants to call, he can change his black chip. The player again asks for change and throws his black chip into the pot. At this point, I rolled my hand over, but then the player claimed he was just asking for change and not calling. The dealer explained that they don't just change chips mid-pot. I said that throwing a chip in the pot is a call and left it at that. The floor was called, and they ruled that my hand had to remain face up and my bet stands and that the other player could still check, raise, or fold. Well, they can't check, but (laughs) the player folded immediately and I was mad. I argued that throwing a chip into the pot across the betting line is a call. And even though this is a new player, he was obviously asking for change to call my bet. So is he right for being mad? (laughs) Well... Ken, a lot of things happened here. Very few of them were good, and not all of it was on the other player. Uh, A good bit of this is on the dealer, and this is a very challenging part of the game in, in casinos and is a big reason why this 
uh, column and commentary exists and why the TDA exists and why we are, are always trying to universalize and, and standardize rules. Simply because we're trying to make up for the fact that dealers can't always react immediately on the spot because they're trained to be observers and not active participants in the game. This is absolutely a time when they need to be more active. I appreciate you setting context here and giving us enough information to very universally look at this situation, not just from a single point of view, but from what was going on. Uh, you very apparently made it known to us that uh, the opponent here was a novice in a casino. It's not like it's, it's very likely as a first time playing poker in public, not so much his first time playing poker ever. They obviously could play a little and knew the game. Right. He was never played in a casino with a dealer and in that setting. So that's not unimportant information, and I'm glad you included that. When he throws the chip and when he, when he attempts to get change made, you say the dealer explained that if he wants to call, we'll get change after the bet is made, and that's great. The next time he threw the chip in the pot, that still didn't change. Uh, dealers in that spot, especially with novice players, and they know exactly who they are, dealers can easily pick out the, the experienced and inexperienced people at the table. Right. Uh, the dealer's supposed to stop the action. And this is where you didn't help. Once again, why are you turning your play, your hand over? The players don't determine the showdown. The players don't determine uh, what happens at that point. The, the dealer is still supposed to declare the showdown. The dealer is supposed to ask people to tell them who wins the pot. You saw a chip go and you tried by technicality to lock that money into the pot. Well, as I've explained numerous times, uh, a hand of poker and, and, a, and a poker table are not a court of law. <laughs> we don't have to award anything out of technicality and we don't have to rule positively for the person who would benefit from the technicality. I'm not inclined to disagree with the floor person here. I think you prematurely turned your hand over. I think you knew what was happening and were trying to lock the money in the pot. I think, yeah, very technically, the, the man moved chips forward. You thought it was, you tried to say it was a call. I'm not entirely convinced it was a call. There are other reasons than calling the bet in front of them that somebody would need change for. Uh, first and foremost, if they're trying to get money for tips for the beverage servers or food servers. But that may not be the case here and probably isn't. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. That being said, there was no showdown declared. Just because you wanted to turn your hand over to make sure that chip was locked into the pot, that's not how a showdown is declared. The showdown is declared when the betting is settled and the dealer asks for the hands to be revealed. I don't mind this, uh, the floor person's ruling here. And in fact, especially when it's the smallest game in the room, you're going to have the largest preponderance of amateur and beginning players, the novices. I intend to give them at least somewhat of a benefit of the doubt. I am certainly rarely ruling for people who immediately turn their hand over when they think the action's done, as opposed to when the action could be done. 
once again, that's not how the game's supposed to work. Well, one question that I have that um, I'm curious about is he says that they said his hand had to remain face up. Why is that? Well, I don't think it has to remain face up. I think that is a mistake. I, it needs to be thoughtfully exposed. It certainly that information certainly should be available to his opponent. I don't disagree with that, but there's there's not much of a good reason there to make the hand stay. If it's heads up action, then keeping the hand face up doesn't serve much of a purpose. Nobody else is gaining or or losing an advantage. Right. That's generally something you would do in, in a multi-way situation where one or more players uh, may or may not have acted on that information and the advantage right. is gigantic, but heads up, it serves no purpose. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good question and, and very, very nice for pointing that one out. That, yeah, uh, making it stand, stay face up didn't really serve much of a purpose, heads up. So I, I probably wouldn't have made the hand stay face up. But again, just because the chip went forward doesn't mean it's a bet in that spot. Even and even even our writer can recognize that he the player very likely was trying to get change for the chip. I mean, the player may have realized, well, what if I want to bet more than? What if I wanted to raise there? What if and he wanted to raise a, a strange amount? Or I mean, a seventy-five bet. It's not uncommon for somebody to 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 make it one hundred seventy-five or two hundred twenty-five. So again, just because the chip went forward, we knew the guy was trying to get change. We knew the guy really wasn't listening to the dealer. I'm not really sure I ruled out a call in that spot in that game. It, yeah, I'm constantly amazed at, at the number of times that you see someone trying to take advantage of a uh, technicality, like you said. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds like this is one of those cases too, but... And it's not good for the game. I mean, no. if you rule against the player, if you let him know that the rules are a bludgeon upon the heads of, of new players, new players aren't going to play. Why are you trying to run fish off? Why are you trying to offend the people who are making pots worth winning? This makes no sense to me. You technicality people out of pots, especially people who haven't played in the casino much, they're never coming back. They're never going to feel welcome. They're going to feel too inexperienced. They're going to feel that the, the house is against them. They're going to feel that the, the players are against them. This, this the, the game doesn't grow that way. The game doesn't get better that way. Uh, technicalities in this spot, especially not good for the game. So there you go, Ken. Uh, it really wasn't as bad of a spot as it felt like for you in the moment, but, but yeah. So in the future, just relax. Don't turn your hand over immediately and, and wait for the showdown showdown to actually begin. And then, uh, let, let the dealer and the, the other player novice or not sort their things out. And then, then you can turn your hand over in a uh, more appropriate spot. So precisely the more thoughtful action in this spot is when that chip goes in the pot is to say, not turn your hand over, now you're really that's absolutely the action that makes it appear as though you're trying to shoot the angle at that point don't turn your hand over immediately ask is he calling is that a call get the floor that's when you're supposed to act without turning your hand over when the chip goes forward make sure you put the onus on the other player 
don't contribute to the confusion and create the possibility of being ruled against. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ken, I do appreciate you sending that in. And if anyone else has a call the floor that they would like Elliot and I to break down, send it to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Elliot, I appreciate you doing this again this week. As always, quite welcome. Glad to do it. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. All right, we're back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick, who's got the ocean. It was supposed to, wait, you were supposed to have the ocean behind you. This, um, is the best, that, this is the best I can do today. We, um, we've had nothing but beautiful weather up until today, and now we've got a little bit of a, a little bit of rainy day here in the, the coastal shores of North Carolina. So I figured the, uh, the, the pictures behind me will do the trick at least. <laughs> Let me tell you, we've had plenty of ocean time the last couple of days. I got a nice little base tangling. So we're good. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> a rub it well, in for everyone out there, but. Well, we've got rainy weather here, so I'm I'm in relaxed mode with the hoodie. It is a mess outside. It is pouring down rain. Well, let me tell you, I appreciate you taking all the water up north and, and leaving us uh, just one little one little day to, to give everybody <laughs> a break, and we're, we'll get right back at it tomorrow morning. You do some fishing today, though, so we uh we were right on the intercoastal and, and threw some threw some lines out and had a nice little morning of catching fish. Nice. Yes, nice. sir. Did you catch anything good? No, to be honest with you, we didn't. We do. Um, so we've got a couple of crab traps that we'll throw in um, e- each night, let it go overnight, and we'll get them out in the morning. So we did catch some crabs the other day. A um, couple of uh, – well, we had, we had three blue crabs. Not big enough to eat. There's certain regulations down here, but still fun for the kids. And then we had some – I mean, they were tiny little – just tiny little just nibblers. Um, the intercoastal, once it's high tide, gets to about 10, 12 feet around here. Um, so we hit it right around high tide, but never caught anything big. But kids had fun, so life. That's uh, the important part. Yeah, exactly. As I told you earlier, I was like, you know, you can't wipe a smile off my face when you're at the. Beach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no exactly. <laughs> well, take a minute and let's play a tournament for a minute, okay? Or at least one hand in a tournament. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I will tell you before we really get started. I've, uh, I saw my brother-in-law and my nephew a little bit of poker. They, uh, my my brother-in-law hadn't played, as he said since the uh, World Series of Poker went live on ESPN. So we're talking to quite a few quite a few years ago. <laughs> but we told my nephew as well, we ended up playing a nice little uh, three-hour tournament ourselves, or a little you know, home game earlier this week. So uh, Nice. How did you do? Did you teach him all the lessons that you learned? You know what? <laughs> Play, I, doing uh, hand of the week? When you're playing with guys that are even more novice than I, uh, you feel like a pro. And I kind of felt like you – know, <laughs> If Mike's out there listening, I kind of felt like Mike as I was just bullying people around. It was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. They had a couple extra buy-ins. I didn't have to buy back in, and we uh, we we took them down for some friendly cash. So <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Uh, so this wow. week's hand of the week is sent in by Dustin Scara. Nice. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. It's S K A R R A. Sounds right to me. Um, so he's playing a monthly tournament. There's 260 players that signed up. Your starting chip stack is 15,000 with 30-minute levels, 
and there's nine players per table. We're going to start this one in seat two. It gives us a little bit of the dynamics here. So we're going to start in seat two, and we're nearing at this. By the time this hand happens, we're nearing the end of level four, and coming up on the first break. So our blinds right now are 100, 300 with a 300 big blind ante. Gotcha. All right. And Dustin says he's been playing pretty straightforward these first few levels, and he's built a stack up to 28,000. He says the table is pretty talkative and active, and they've already lost four players. So four players have been knocked out on their table. Uh, the villain directly to his left is an older gentleman. He says late seventies or eighties, early eighties. Okay. So the villain has already knocked out two opponents and his current stack size is over 45,000. Wow. All right. It's a little so they've lost four players at this table and two of them have been knocked out by our villain. Okay. Uh, he says he's been betting big with his hands and overinflating pots. And Dustin says his own image it, at the table should be a, a tight aggressive player. Cool. So he was looking to play a pot with the villain as he had seen him make some loose calls out of position. Cool. So there we go. That's our dynamics heading into this hand. I like that. Again, that's good, that's good to know as we go, like, you know, certain names of the week, you know, we don't have a whole lot of that. I like this. So. Yeah, I like it when I definitely, for those sending in hands, definitely is good if you can give us some backstory and, and describe our players who we're up against and whatnot. It certainly helps. Absolutely. Yeah. So it folds to us, this hand folds to us in the low jack position. We have. The Ace of Spades, Queen of Hearts. All right, Patrick. So the last two weeks in a row, you've raised. And guess what? Are we going to have a week three or are we just going to call? Ace of Spades, Queen of Hearts. I'm, I'm moving again. I'm raising again. So awesome. we're, we're playing 100, 300, 300 Annie in the big blonde. And then you said it folds all the way around to us. Yep. I'm going to probably go with a probably a 900 bet. Okay, so three times a big blind? Yep. All right. Dustin opens with 700. The villain calls from the hijack and the big blind calls. The big blind has 11,000 behind. Come. So give you an idea of his stack. Come. And Dustin says his thoughts here are when the villain calls preflop, he says, I remove some of the hands from his range like aces, kings, queens, ace, king. He yeah. takes those out of his range because he believes he would three bet those hands because there's players left to act after him. And so, you know, you don't want to go to the flop with four or more players. So he thinks he would have raised it three bet him on that okay. uh, but in this case only the big blind calls so here's what i would say about that i i i actually like the 700 the raise of 700 here i like norm I, I do like pushing the action but in this case i'm not sure that 
the difference here's where we always talk about lose less or whatever. And I don't know that making it three times a big blind is going to do anything different than two and a half. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. The big blind. So it's, it's not a bad raise. I don't see anything wrong with going three X. I'm just thinking about it from a standpoint of, is there, is it going to make a difference? And if not, then save that money back. Right. Yeah. You, so use it, use it later in this hand, use it later, whenever, but yeah, right along that mentality we've been talking about last few weeks of the lose less. So still get you right. what you want, you know, the, the, the move that you want for less. So I understand that it makes sense. So, um, with 2,500 in the pot, there's three to the flop. And the flop is the King of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds, Four of Clubs. The big blind checks to us. Now, here's something to note that I, I love that he puts this in here. I noticed that the villain started to move his hand to his stack. Live tell? Question mark. <laughs> I like that. So, with that in mind, what do you do? So, we flop King of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds, Four of Clubs. So, we've got our queens. We've got the ladies there. Now, live action, that's pretty interesting that he moves there. Um, it's definitely something to note, you know, with that idea. Um, I'm still pushing. Obviously, if he's got a king in his hand, he's got he's got us a little bit right now. I'm still probably pushing, but I'm probably only going probably only going two, maybe six hundred. Okay, so you're gonna bet six hundred. The the it's about twenty five hundred in the pot, so you're betting about a quarter of pot, pot is, a pot, yeah, a little less than less than quarter of pot, I guess. Maybe six or seven hundred. I mean, I know Dustin said Dustin went in for seven. I'm I'm thinking lower again, lose less mentality. Um, but yeah, maybe yeah. a little less than quarter of the pot. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I I think it really just kind of depends on what you make of him and this live tell, right? Yeah. Dustin says I elect to check to see what the villain would do as he seemed to quote unquote perk up on this flop. Yeah. Right. So. And I think you have to be careful with these kind of tells because – and it sounds like Dustin's actually been playing with them long enough to be able to uh, know one way or another. But sometimes these kind of tells are things to get you to check. Yeah. You know, do it intentionally to get you to check or not. And then gives them the – I don't know if that's the case in this one or not, but uh, that's one of those things where – um, you just have to be aware of the the dynamics of the person. Yeah, whether it was sure. whether it was subconscious, quick little you know hand gesture move, or was it you know something on purpose, like you said, to get everyone else to check and then gives him the power to push. So what um right. so that being said, so Dustin checks what did what did our villain do? So well, let me give you his thoughts on this. He says. You know, the flop, this flop hits my range with over and draws on the board. I was thinking of making a small bet of around 900 to control the pot and see where I was at, but I did not want to get raised 
by draws or the king. Yeah. So I notice the villain start to move his hand to toward his stack, and I elect to check. So the villain then overbets the pot for thousand with only twenty five hundred in the pot, and the big blind folds. Talk about playing right into exactly what you're looking at him as as being the villain, and he, and didn't he talk about earlier yeah. that he's He's overbet some. Not only has he called some in the wrong position, but he's overbet some. Oh, man. So 3,000. I mean, that's – you know what? I don't know what to make of it, but he said he wanted to play a hand with him, and you've got you've got a hand to possibly do it. I mean, part of me wants to call and, and see this thing out for a little bit. I don't know if that's completely stupid and, and against what you're thinking, but what are your thoughts? I mean, he said he's been playing bloated pots to this point, right. right? And that's how he got that stack. So definitely throws out at least a yellow light, right? Yeah. Proceed with caution. Sure. Maybe even a red light, like get the heck out of here, live to fight another day kind of thing. It's a tough spot. But I think the fact that he's been playing so many bloated pots – you know, and, and got his stack where it is, knocking out two of the four players at this table, right. makes me think he's strong. Okay. That I, I'm not sure that that, that uh, tell is, is an accident. I think he really was giving off a, a, a tell, or is an accident. I, don't, I think he's giving off an actual tell. So... I, I don't see a problem with a call here, but at the same time, I probably fold. Um, Are you making him on something like Ace King or even Kings? I think Ace King for sure. Yeah. That, um, was, that, would be that my, is where I'm leaning. You mentioned that. I mean, again, you, you got to make him for what what that tell was, whether it was a tell or whether it was on purpose. Um, you know, you're definitely. My thought process on going, you know, even possibly in is, okay, does he have ace king? You know, and you're not drawing dead, but you're sure close to it. You know, you've got a lot to go. So, interesting. So, you would probably fold? I probably would. But, again, you know, it's one of those made-in-a-vacuum kind of decisions. Uh, It's early. You don't want to get too involved so Heavily involved, I should say, in the early stages of this tournament, either. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think I probably live to fight another fight. What did Dustin? But he says that uh, he says I'm not happy about the sizing of the villain, but elect a call and reevaluate on the turn with the thought of checking all turn cards. Okay. He says I, the question is why would villain bet so big? If he's really that strong, wouldn't villain bet smaller, like half pot or something like that? And he says this flop should hit my range, but just because it hits our range doesn't mean it doesn't hit theirs, right? Yeah. And because, I mean, we already said, you already told us that he's he's been over betting these pots, been be- over bloating these pots, right? Uh, so I don't think that's his style is, is betting smaller. Then 
with with 8500 in the pot the turn is the ace of diamonds board is now the king of hearts queen of diamonds four of clubs ace of diamonds which now gives us two pair hmm i guess it also also completes some straights right yeah. um what do you do with that man you would have loved to see a queen there but yeah i mean that's <laughs> yeah. if, we're, if we're making him and this is this was my personal thought process with that i am still under the question of maybe the yellow light like you said you know did he push it too high why did he push it high dustin had the same process but he was playing them anyway you said inflated pots i mean that that's kind of his style anyways I, i'm still possibly making him ace king i'm probably checking on this one to, to you know i hate to do it but i'm probably checking on this one to see how he, he reacts to, to the ace coming out yeah i think you have to at this point you have to check and see what he's going to do if he's betting such a big amount you certainly don't want to get raised if you if you bet yeah so and that's what dustin does he um dustin checks and the villain bets almost pot size again he bets six thousand i mean that's a third of our stack over a third of our stack i i don't know what to make on this i mean we've got ace queen i don't know i, I think i fold I think I think that big a bet again, inflated pot or not, whether he's got it or not. I mean, I, I make him on enough to probably get us. Um, I, I don't think he's calling with lesser, um, especially with now on that board. I mean, you've got king of hearts, queen of diamonds, four of clubs, and now ace of diamonds. I mean, he, my my gut says he's got us. So let's not waste anymore. Yeah, me too. I, I really put him on ace king on the flop. Yeah. You know, and so if I'm putting him on the flop, then that only improved him on the turn, right? Yep. So it, it improved us, but it improved him as well. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm with you. What did Dustin uh, end up doing? And Dustin, Dustin says he's leaning toward a fold, but feels like the bet screams go away. So he elects to call. Well, Dustin's got the guts that I wanted on this one, so I love that he did call just to find out what our villain. I, I will say, I will say with with the explanation that he gave us beforehand, with him playing overinflated pots and and all that, I don't know that this really screams go away. I think it's just this type of player. Yeah. So I I don't know that that you. You read that one correct, Dustin. I think that that's just his style of play. Yeah. It's I, I think you're better off just seeing an, another hand here. But he calls, and the river with a 20, what is it, 20,500 now yeah. in the pot? The river card is the king of spades. So the board is now 
the king of hearts, queen of diamonds, four of clubs, ace of diamonds, king of spades. <laughs> I mean, if he's got ace king, we're done for sure. No questions asked. If he's got a king at all. We're done. I mean, even if even if he's yeah, yeah. Please tell me Dustin called any king, right? I mean, any king, king right? Yeah. So. Dustin, Dustin checks. Yeah, and the villain this time, here's the strange part. The villain this time downsizes and only bets 4,000 into a 20,000 pot. What? Now that's what? that's crazy. What? So basically, he's getting 6 to 1 to make this call, right? And he's got almost 10,000 invested into the pot now. At that, you have to call. Yeah. So why would he bet 4,000? From my point of view. I mean, if he has – now is the point when you start going, is he trying to get me to call? Is that the reason? Yeah. At this point, like I've already called your two astronomical bets. Why would you not – if you've got it, why would you not bet more? I've already been a goat and, you know, followed you along. That's I mean, the only thing that you can think of is, is if, if you're villain and you think, okay, you know, it's going to have to be a bet that would put him all in if I keep it up that way. Right. So maybe he won't call it for his tournament life, but he will call for a smaller, a small bet. So the only way I'm getting more chips is to make it a small bet because if it if I put him all in, he's folding. If you think of it that way, yeah. right? That's the only thing I can think of there. So Dustin says, why 4,000? Villain must have king, queen, ace, king, or even maybe pocket fours. Huh. He says, I want to fold, but six to one. <laughs> Hero makes a crying call to see the villain turn over the king of diamonds, king of clubs for quad kings. Let me tell you, that <laughs> 70 or 80 year old man just played that hand beautifully. Yeah. Wow. Well, nice hand. Rewind all the way back to the beginning. You called it in that that little that little motion was a tell. It wasn't on purpose. It was a tell, and you should have walked away with seven hundred in the pot and you're blind and called it a day. Yeah. Instead, we lose nearly half of our stack. Yeah, we're back down. Um, maybe be- Yeah, we're below starting stack now. Ugh. That's gross. That hurts. That hurts bad. Yeah. I I definitely understand where Dustin was coming from in the fact that you expect him to three bet pre-flop with Kings. Yeah. Because you don't want to be playing against a whole bunch of people, right? Mistake. I mean, it worked out for him, but yeah, I think in most cases you're going to want to three bet there. I. The only place to come back to is on the flop. You really have to look at that and say, ah, 
yeah, we we can get away from this at that point. Live to t- live to fight another day. We don't even have top pair. We've got middle pair. So it comes down comes down to what we've been talking about with uh, Mark Brimmett in the coach's corner as well. You know, and and we've been talking about it here. How do you lose less? Yep. And in this case, you've got middle pair. He's betting too big. Wait for a spot where you can really nail him. So there you go. And that was unfortunately not it. But yeah, gotta give it to the uh, the elderly villain there. Takes him down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dustin, I appreciate you sending that in. Um, that's a tough hand. Hopefully, you were able to run that. Uh, that stack, what you had left in that stack back up, but if not, on to the next one. And speaking of on to the next one, if anyone else has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at com. And Patrick, go enjoy that wet well. And enjoy the beach tomorrow, I guess. Are you guys going to stay in and play a little more poker tonight? Oh, we're, definitely, we're <laughs> definitely going to. You you better believe after we record this, I'm going to let these guys know uh, of this hand. And, yeah, we're, we've got another game tonight after we get the little ones down, and we'll get back to the beach tomorrow. Dustin, you know, I hate it for you. Like, it's, like you said, I hope you rain it back up, but that's a tough beat, bud. All right. Take it easy, Patrick. Right, sounds good. See you guys. The question is – how you running? All right. This week for How You Running, I am joined by John Dapkus. Uh, and we actually we tried to record this before I had a little technical difficulties on my end. So we're trying again. So, John, how you running? <laughs> I'm running well, um, as we said before. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, so uh, last week I was in uh, Vegas for about five days, and I just purely uh, – I stayed at Aria, and I played PLO cash there every day, and it went well. And so I've been home for about a week, and, and I'll be heading back out there actually uh, tomorrow night. Nice. So the plan this time when you head back out there, are you planning to play cash again? you playing tournaments? What's the plan? Yeah, I'm going to kind of flip-flop it. So um, this, this trip coming up is purely tournament-based, so – I get out there tomorrow night, and the following day is the uh, the 10K PLO in the series, and then we just have to see, you know, where it goes from there. Of course, you know, if you're going to play for one day, two days, three days, four days. So I've got kind of a schedule for the SOP, the win, uh, the Venetian. I know what's going on. So depending on how it goes, it's just going to be tournaments until I'm ready to go home, come home. <laughs> but still PLO. Uh, I will mix and hold them uh, with with tournaments as well, but the first one will be a PLO. Okay. All right. So yeah. the reason that we have you here this week is to talk about a little bit of the Windy City Championship because uh, last month you were able to take down the Windy City Championship, $3,000 Windy City Championship. And so first of all, tell me a little bit about that because – I believe, if I remember right, it was uh, to benefit Shady Oaks. So, one, tell me a little bit about the tournament that you were able to take down, and some of the competitors that you had, because it was a tough, it was a tough group. And then, kind of tell me a little bit about 
Windy City in general and and uh, what it means to play there and all that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my history with Windy City goes back, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years. I primarily just play these uh, 3K events that, that they have, which I think they kind of do, they try to do quarterly. So, you know, four a year. I don't play all of them, but I've um, that's what I've typically done with them uh, since I started way back when. Sometimes they will have some like one case sit and goes as well, where they'll kind of handpick a, a final table, if you will, or, or one table, single table, and they'll do those. So I've played a few of those. So I go back a ways. This one that I won a few weeks back was a smaller one. And I think probably due to the timing, time of year, people, a lot of people obviously traveling for personal and for poker. So this one was uh, was a smaller one with two tables. But I remember the initial one I, I first played with Windy City was... Oh gosh, I don't know. It was it was quite a few people, 50, 60, 70 people. And they had back then um, he was able to get some local pros like Faraz Jaka, Aaron Massey, some cele- local celebrities, people like that. Sure. So uh, but this time um, this time around, it was a smaller one. I did win one back in 2021 as well, uh, which had a little which had more people than this past one. But um, I, I like the three K's a lot. Um, for a couple of reasons. I like the, the televised um, live stream aspect. I have four teenage daughters and they actually think it's pretty cool um, <laughs> if they play online or um, I've been on TV a couple of times because obviously they don't get to see what I do day to day with poker ever. So to be honest with you, that's, that's m- one of my biggest motivations. But I do enjoy like the bigger buy-in uh, tournament because we don't get a lot of those around here, even if it is a little bit on the smaller side. I like the one day structure. Um, basically you're starting at noon and you're, you know, if you make it all the way, you're finishing up around midnight. So that's not so bad at all. You just, you know, one day commitment. Right. And they're typically Mondays, which is perfect. So I like, I like everything about it. I like the structure. Um, there's a lot of play. You don't feel like you're being rushed or it's like some sort of turbo structure. There's plenty of play throughout the day, you know, blinds versus stack size. Kirk does a great job running the tournament, never had any issues or, you know, thought to myself, you know, they, they don't run it well here. He does a really good job. And, and like you said, you know, there are some, some really accomplished players that do play it on, on the regular, uh, like Craig Casino, as they always say, HPT all-time money winner plays all the time. Michael Stavia has done a lot. He was at the final table uh, recently when I played, but he's got a lot of poker accomplishments right. and, uh, the person I went up heads up against Lloyd's um, done a lot with uh, Windy City. So, yeah, they definitely get, um, you know, some people that have been around and have accomplished quite a bit. Yeah. So the bigger buy in tournaments, well, all of their tournaments, but these bigger buy in tournaments bring in a good group of people. But it's still, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there's a charity aspect. Right. So there's these like in the, in the case of the one that you played, Shady Oaks was able to benefit from that as well. So the payout structure, you're still getting a good payday and still able to help these places out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I failed to mention that even the first time we did this, but yeah, you're right. The, the, the charity structure is definitely a nice piece of it. So, you know, still happy with what you get to take home and also happy with what you get to donate to a worthy cause. For sure. Right. And so when you head out to Vegas – the first one you're going to jump into is a WSOP event, the 10K buy-in, yep. right? Yep, yep. So Wednesday is a 10K PLO, right? And that's uh, 
it's it, right now it's scheduled as a four day, so we'll see how that goes. Um, and there's actually a there's a 25k PLO on Sunday that I've got my eye on as well. Same thing, SOP. And then, like I said, there's plenty of other um, Venetian slash wind in between. Right. Yeah, they always have some good good structures around during that time as well. So it's it's perfect. Keep us updated. Let us know how you're doing out there. Uh, hopefully, we can get you back on again with a big with a bracelet, maybe even. So that would be that yeah. would be awesome. And, and one thing that's cool that I learned uh, since we talked last. So. Um, I'll be able to parlay kind of like the the uh, proceeds from the 10K or the 3K with Kirk um, right into a direct buy into an SOP event. So that's something he was able to work out. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty cool. So, you know, you could call it a free roll if you want to, but like, you know, that, that 10K PLO is, is coming directly from, you know, the proceeds from, from the 3K. Right. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Congratulations on the Windy City. Also, play well, run well, <laughs> yeah. all of those all things together. And uh, we'll talk again. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. It's time for Joe's One Outer. We've seen it in movies like Maverick, The Sting, The Cincinnati Kid, and Rounders. Cheating has been around the game of poker for a long, long time. It can certainly taint the game, as it would any competitive activity. The game relies on fair play and integrity. However, poker organizations have worked hard to maintain that integrity by employing strict security measures, including video surveillance and trained personnel to monitor the games and the cards. And now... There are even more strict penalties for those that are caught cheating in some manner or another. Recently, we all watched as more and more information was uncovered with the Mike Postle case. Now, on poker's biggest stage, we watch as the WSOP investigates Martin Cabrell and his card-marking behavior. But what does it all mean? Is the World Series of Poker going to lose viewers or even players? No. And they shouldn't. More times than not, cheaters get caught. In the past, that meant that they may not be able to play in that tournament or that casino. However, last year the Poker Integrity Council was put together to combat unethical play. This council partners with the World Series of Poker, the WPT, Triton Poker, and others as well. So if enough evidence is found in this case, it could be the end of Martin Cabrell's poker career. It should be noted, though, that he has denied all allegations and said he plans to sue his accusers. So the saga will continue for quite some time. We'll be watching it, but in the meantime, the World Series of Poker has been a huge success with giant fields and great storylines. My advice would be to pay attention to the Cabrell story, but don't let it overshadow the stories like that of Chris Brewer, who, by the way, happened to be the one that won the event that brought this whole controversy to light. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. 
I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com.